today on It's Time. If you're talking to them in a language that they don't understand, i.e. Christianese, you will not be as effective in finding that common ground. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts. So follow along as we join Pastor Mike. You know, there's certain days that we have a lot to say and other times we maybe not have as much to say. Not to say that God didn't do things on those more, you might say, quiet days. God's always doing something in our lives. Well, we'll see that tonight as we study together. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word, thank you for speaking to us through it. Remind us, God, of your promises that you will see us through. May we continue to seek you the whole year in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've been looking at the life of the church, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I believe it's impossible that you would look at the book of Acts and not see the dynamics of the Holy Spirit working within the church, just as the Holy Spirit works inside of every one of us. And so because of that, we're going to find a different dimension than just maybe living every day, but you might say being moved about by the power of God. Now, as we study the Old Testament, you will see... As you look at the life of Elijah or Elisha or Moses or some of the others, you'll see how God moved them where he wanted them to be through circumstances. Now, understanding that, it's the way God uses us today, sometimes we'll find ourselves in a place and we'll say, God, why or how did I get here? I believe it's by divine providence, you being a child of God, God orchestrating the circumstances in your life to bring you where he wants you to be, so you'll be at the most use for the kingdom of God. That's why we're still here, friends. That's why we're not all transported the moment that we accept Christ as Savior to heaven, is because we're saved to serve. Now, understanding that in heaven, God's going to reward us for our service to him, how important it is that we do our job well. Now, uh, again, I believe in what Jesus said, and as he gave the parable of the talents, to one he gave ten, one he gave five, and one he gave one. Well, understanding that, that the man who did well with the ten that he had, he was eventually put over twenty cities. Uh, He doubled what he had, and the Lord said, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Put him over twenty cities. Well, we also find the same for the guy that had five talents. He doubled his. The guy that had one, the Bible says, he used an excuse instead of obedience to God. He said, well, I knew you, Master, to be a hard man trying to reap where you haven't sown. And so, therefore, I hid the money in the earth, and, well, here it is, dirt clods and all. He said, you're lazy. He said, at least you could have went down and put it in the bank. He said, take it from the man and give it to the guy who has ten. But Lord, he already has so much. And he said, that's the way the kingdom of God is. 
to everyone who has, more will be given to. And those that are unfaithful in what they have, even which they think they have, will be taken away. Well, we know that um, all of us are determining what position we're going to hold in eternity today. Isn't that great to know? So if you don't like where you're at, you can change it. That's, I think, why God gives us new years. I think that's why God allows us new opportunities to change the road we're on. It's not too late. And a lot of times people think, well, I just want to get to heaven. I don't care about rewards. I do. I think you should too. I'd be really surprised that if we got to heaven, that we would say, well, I'm not getting any rewards. You'll be glad you're getting some. And I believe that's part of what we do together in the body of Christ, that we encourage one another to uh, be about our Father's business. Uh, I believe whatever thing that God has placed before you to do, do it with all your heart, do it with all your might. Well, this is what we find Paul and Barnabas doing. They embarked upon a journey after they had prayed and, and fasted. The Bible tells us that they went out to tell the world about God's goodness. Well, 1313, as we look here in the book of Acts, it says... Now when Paul and his party set sail, they came to Paphros. Then they came to Pergia and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. We don't know why he returned. We don't know if he got scared. Maybe he didn't feel well. Maybe word came to him that his relatives were sick at home. We don't know what reason. The Bible doesn't tell us. And I think that's kind of good sometimes when the Bible doesn't tell us certain things because... Maybe it makes for more applicability to each one of us. In other words, why we don't do or do some of the things that we do. Well, certainly here we find that John departed. Now, what's really amazing, it says, and when they departed from Pergia. Now, wait a minute. What's the deal here? Other places that Paul and Barnabas went, other places that other disciples went, we find a lot of information about what they did there, where they went. When the Bible here says that they came... To Pergia, the only thing it says there is that's where John departed. I don't know why that happened. I don't know why we don't find any kind of ministry that Paul and Barnabas did in Pergia. Why? Why is it missing? Don't know. Uh, maybe it was just because of maybe John Mark leaving them and, and returning back home. That might have had something to do with it. Maybe... They were crushed in their spirit. I don't know what reason it was, but what's important is the next part because they didn't stop. Now, I want to share this with you because it's a dynamic truth of God's word. If you're trying to do something for the kingdom of heaven and it doesn't go the way you think it should, don't give up, keep going. A lot of times people will become paralyzed in their relationship with God because they tried something, it didn't work the way they thought it would, and so they just say, well, I'm... Taking my marbles, I'm going home. Don't ever do that. You keep going. You, you see, I believe it's the persistence of the, of the saints that makes the difference in the world. And remember, the devil is always trying to thwart you or stop you in some way. You just don't let him win. So if you find yourself going down a place and you find yourself, you may be stopped or something happens there that you weren't planning on, like maybe one of your companions leaving you and returning back home, you don't give up, you don't stop, you keep right on going. And so it says that they departed from Pergia and they came to Antioch in Poseidon. Now, this is a different Antioch that we find in chapter 13, verse 1. This one is in actually Syria. This is another 
town by the same name in a different region, actually in the southern part of the region of, of, of the Galatia. So he tells us here that they went into a synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. This was customary. Um, I think it's always good that even though they did not believe in a risen Messiah, they still continued to go where people who honored Yahweh went. I think that's really important because I've, I've had a lot of people say sometimes, well, I, I go to church, but I just don't, uh, I don't see it the way they do. Well, okay, that might be true. Find some place that does and be a part of it. Every one of us contribute something to the body of Christ and every one of the body of Christ contributes something to us. And so we find here that Paul and Barnabas, again, after no real record of any great ministry in Pergia, now they come to this Antioch and this is where they go to worship. They go on a Sabbath day. Of course, the early church, they met on Sunday, but they were reaching out. Of course, there wasn't any church established there in this region, in this uh, town of Antioch. And so uh, they, what they did is they went to where those believers would be found. Or you might say those that recognize God. Well, it tells us here that after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, said to them, saying, men and brethren, if you have a word of exhortation from the people, say it. Say on is what he's saying. If, if, if anybody here has been inspired in some way, share with us. They would usually open in prayer, probably very similar to most churches do. They would read uh, a, uh, something from the uh, first five books of the Bible. Then they would read something from the prophets. And then they would offer an opportunity for people to input what God had been doing in their life. Well, they probably should have known that if you gave the Apostle Paul an opportunity to speak, he would take it. And so it says that he did. Now, this is kind of interesting. Some people believe this is actually the only real complete sermon that we have from the Apostle Paul. There are different places when Paul was at Mars Hills and other places where he was sharing about the Lord and things. But here we find an actual entire sermon by the Apostle Paul. And I think it's important to see what he did in the way that the Holy Spirit used him to communicate to the people he was speaking to with the knowledge of what, of God that they had. This is not the, this is, you might say, a pattern of his. Now we remember when he was at Mars Hill, uh, he was there. It was a place where they would come. They had all these statues to the uh, different gods. And in fact, in case they missed anybody, they had one to the unknown God. Paul then, you might say, springboards off of their, un, you might say, limited understanding of what they knew of God. And he says, this one that you have to the unknown God, this is the one I'm going to tell you about. And so they listened to him. Now, I think this is important because I think in understanding how the Holy Spirit works. God takes what we know and he builds upon it. Uh, I believe that this is a, a good way of witnessing. I think this is uh, something that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to do because what he did as he was in the synagogue, these people did not believe in Jesus Christ. They were Old Testament, you might say, believers. And so Paul then begins with what they knew concerning the scripture and built upon that. Now, I think that's good. Again, when we sometimes share our faith with our family and friends, different people that we know, 
It's what they do know. And I think this is always, you might say, what's called common ground in sharing your faith. In other words, when you talk to somebody in the store and they go, wow, I'm sure concerned about what's happening in our country or in the world. You say, yeah, really? You know, it's kind of funny because I don't know. You ever read the Bible? Well, I don't really read the Bible. I'm not really a religious person. But but you do recognize that there's something probably wrong in the world right now. Oh, yeah, I think you'd have to be crazy to not notice that. You build upon the common ground. This is always important in sharing our faith because part of communication is, you might say, meeting of the minds. And so if you're talking to them in a language that they don't understand, i.e. Christianese, you will not be as effective in finding that common ground. What do they know? And then endeavor either to explain it to them, bring them into better clarity on it, uh, explain the gospel to them. So sometimes when we talk to people in our witnessing, uh, find out what the person you're talking to knows or what they think. Find the common ground and build upon that. Because, friends, that then allows them to be part of the conversation. If we just go, blah, 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 and with Jesus says, blah, blah, and spiritual, hallelujah, and all that stuff, they're going, whoa, what's that? They don't relate because it doesn't connect. So, Paul knowing what their common ground was. Now, I believe this is important, and this is why I believe sometimes if you have a particular ministry or calling, for instance, in a particular group, I think it's good to know what they think or what they believe. If, you, if you've been called as a missionary to go into particular villages, let's say in Micronesia, it would be a good idea to have a pretty good understanding of what their faith is already so that you will then not be ignorant in order to communicate to them. If you feel that God's called you into witnessing to Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, it might be a good idea to have a little understanding of their perception of what God is. Now, I think there's several reasons why. First, we can talk to them intelligently. Secondly, we can talk to them without, we might say, offending them. Not that the gospel is not going to be an offense to people, because the preaching of the gospel, the Bible says, is an offense to non-believers. But understanding, I, if they're going to reject what I have to say concerning God, I want to be sure that they're rejecting the Christ of the Bible and not some, you might say, ideological... Um, misunderstanding of who they are. In other words, I don't want to offend them so that I cannot communicate to them. I want to do everything that I can do to communicate to them on their ground to explain to them certain things. Now, I've talked about this before, but um, uh, I've shared with a lot of Mormons, LDS people. You may be LDS listening tonight or here. And I don't wish to offend anybody, but these are some things that, as an example, when I talk to people in the LDS faith, how I try to communicate to them. When you talk to a Mormon, for instance, they will say to you that the Book of Mormon is the restored gospel. Anybody here that's a Mormon that's been around, or maybe you were a former missionary, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is the restored gospel. Okay, what is wrong with that? Now, first of all, What makes Mormonism completely different than Christianity? Well, first of all, they believe that as God is, man once, God was once a man just like you and me. And as man is right now, someday he'll become a God. 
Now, what's really amazing about that particular thought, it's not found in the Book of Mormon. Another thing that makes the Mormon church different than Christianity is they believe that Satan and Jesus are brothers. That also is not found in the Book of Mormon. Well, this is starting to create some problems here. They believe that if you're sealed in the temple, you will become a god someday yourself and propagate your own planet and be god of that universe. That also is not found in the Book of Mormon. Do you see a pattern here? If the Book of Mormon is the restored gospel, why isn't anything that's peculiar to the Mormon church in the Book of Mormon? Well, I found oftentimes they don't have an answer for that. Well, we believe in an ongoing prophet. Yes, okay, we can accept that, possibly. But here's the question. If the Book of Mormon is really the restored gospel, why isn't anything in the Mormon church that's uniquely different than anything in the Christian church not found in it? That's a problem. What I'm saying is I believe oftentimes... As we seek to find common grounds, and I'm saying this because of this reason. If you have a family member or many members in your family that perhaps are in a different faith, it may not be a bad idea to pick up maybe Walter Martin's Kingdom of the Cults. It's a great book. Or some of the other books that are out there that explain some of the fundamental differences between true Christianity and, you might say, these aberrant type of ideas and faith that sometimes claim to be Christian. So what we do then is we begin to be what I call bridge builders. Being a bridge builder, I believe, helps us communicate the truth. Because then, again, if they're going to really reject what we have to say, I want to be sure they're rejecting the Jesus of the Bible and not something that is non-relevant to what they, and where they come from in their, in their faith. So, uh, and by the way, those other unusual doctrines are found in the Pearl of Great Price, Journal of Discourses, and the Doctrine of Covenants. That's where uh, a lot of those things are found. And also in the Doctrine of Covenants, it talks about that uh, he had a revelation that there's people living on the moon that live to be nearly a uh, hundred years old and look and dress like Quakers. There's a lot of really unusual things in there that, of course, I'm not going to tell you about. But the point is, is that we don't, in order to bring somebody from darkness into light, you have to show the way, and you show the way in love. And so by taking some time sometimes to understand how to communicate with people, I believe it demonstrates that we're trying to reach out to them. I love people in other faiths. In fact, I, I see sometimes the zeal in some of these other faiths that put Christianity to shame. Now, people may ask the question, why is that zeal there? Oftentimes, it's because they're trying to earn heaven. We as Christians, we get a little lazy in knowing that the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the point simply is that because we know we get it for free, we don't do too much about it. On the other hand, these cults sometimes manipulate their followers in guilt that if you don't do enough, you aren't going to make it. And so you'll find dedicated followers selling flowers in airports, dressed in orange robes. You'll see people going door to door, some in some ways to try to earn what they think. And unfortunately, they don't know. God has already given them through Jesus Christ. So Paul then, 
whether he was at Mars Hill later on in the book of Acts or whether he's here, he builds a bridge to the Jewish believing brethren demonstrating several things. And so this really, as an example, a lot of people today don't know what they believe. It wasn't a whole lot different back then. So Paul, when somebody says, well, does anybody have anything to say here? Say it. Paul goes, I will. But what's really wonderful is that Paul had something to say. (laughs) Now, that's really important to know what you believe, why you believe it. Because if you know what you believe and why you believe it, you can defend your faith. Now, as he says... Then Paul stood up. Now remember, earlier it said he was seated. And motioning with his hand, men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. Now, this is a kind of an unusual statement here. Notice again, he says, men of Israel, speaking of the Jews, and you who fear God. Now, this tells us that there were most likely Gentiles present that didn't necessarily you might say, convert to Judaism, but they may in many ways honored or respected what the Jewish faith was about. And so always remember that in our addressing groups of people, there will be obviously the target audience. And there will also be fringe that we will talk to as well. Now, oftentimes you'll find in your life that the fringe is who responds and the target rejects. In other words, you may be over at your friend's house and you really want your friend to come to Christ and you'll be witnessing to him and sharing with him and explaining, well, you know, someday there's going to be the mark of the B666 and oh, the world's going to go crazy and all of a sudden. And, and they're going, ah, I don't want to. But his friend that's in the room that you don't even know will say, really, tell me more. <laughs> it's really unusual how God responds in different people's hearts when they hear the gospel. And so Paul, including them, recognizing that he was in a mixed audience. And I I think this is always really important that when we share the gospel, we want to first recognize or we might say analyze our audience. Now, if you're in a group of people that are Christians you can speak oftentimes a little differently to them than you can if you're in a group that are non-Christians or uh, maybe have very little knowledge of who God is. Because again, we have to be careful because we can begin to speak what I call Christianese. Well, you know, unless you're gloriously sanctified and separated by the blood of Christ, and, and they're going, what? They don't understand any of that. So, If you're in a group that doesn't understand spiritual things, we have to oftentimes start back at the beginning. Have you ever done anything wrong? Yes. Have you ever wondered if there is going to be an accountability someday after this life that we will have to give an account for the things that, as you said, that I recognize in my life, I have done wrong? Hmm. Well, that creates an issue. Now, the Bible gives us some great insight concerning the psyche of man. People go to college and some of the classes that are required are psychology. Well, it's impossible that you will read the Bible that you will not get God's observation of fallen man. 
And by the way, psychology or the study of ology is the study of anything. So study of the psyche, you might say that's psychology. Well, what you have in college America today in psychology is fallen man observing fallen man, determining what fallen man's normal or okay lifestyle would be. So they say, well, this is what five million people do. So therefore it's normal. No, not necessarily. God says that everybody's doing it. It doesn't make it right. See, this is where we have the sliding scale of morality that happens. And it goes into the psychological world that if everybody's doing it, it's got to be okay. God's word is different. God's word is fallen man's perspective from God. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.